Hello, welcome back to Get My Basket. <sighs> Sorry, that was quite a long, long pause. How are you? Is that the one we're going with? <laughs> yeah, we're going with that. <laughs> okay. We're going with that. It was quite, it was quite quick and direct, but we'll go with that. I think we're both a little bit sleepy. Yeah, I'm. Th- I am. I'm feeling thankful that I'm alive after my walk to work. <clears throat> it's flipping storm. We're in the, We're in the midst of Storm Dudley and Storm Eunice. What? Can I just ask? Why are the two storms? What? What's the vibe? Unclear why there's two. I also don't really get why they've trivialised. A red alert storm by calling it Dudley. Dudley? Isn't Dudley from Harry Potter? I think so. And no one's ever been taken seriously who's called Dudley. Yeah, sorry to all the Dudleys out there, but you're... At Dudley. At if, Dudley. if there is a Dudley listening, please do, do be in touch. <laughs> please send us an email at Dudley at 303. This is a really big weekend for him. It is a big weekend, yeah. He's going to get some uh, recognition. Mm. Um, well, welcome back to the podcast. If you're listening um, to us on your audio devices, welcome. If you're watching us on YouTube, um, you'll realise that last week there wasn't actually an episode up on YouTube. Because as much as for the last eight years I've been spending time with cameras and understanding cameras and you know, really getting to the grips of digital content, um, the battery wasn't plugged in properly. <laughs> <laughs> so you a crap. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Actually wasn't well, it's kind of my fault. It's kind of Sam on our team's fault. We'll blame Sam. He doesn't listen to these podcasts anymore because Seb edits them. So Seb, tell Sam that he failed. Um but yeah, welcome. If you're watching on, on YouTube, do like, subscribe and comment down below and all that jazz. Um but we're back with another episode being quite consistent so far hat trick hat trick so far even made some adjustments for your little trip away how was your trip away the barcelona nice. yeah barcelona mm-hmm. uh it was very nice how very is barcelona nice. well Sunny. it's a good place barcelona i am um, the, the the small highlight of well it wasn't the highlight of the trip but a, a small thing that i enjoyed was was walking along the beach right along the like the promenade thing mm. Turned to turned towards a cafe, and as I was walking into the cafe, the neighbouring door that was literally like the last door before the beach and the sea was yeah. a digital marketing agency. And Glorious. I was like, mm, that could work, couldn't it? Mm, we're currently looking out onto our courtyard. Courtyard's not bad, but it's not bad. It's, it's not quite, quite no. looking over the sort of Barcelona beach. No, it's you know? really not. But it's good. Good. I'm glad you had a nice resting time, and now you're now you're back. It's a four day, it's a four day working week for you. Oh, you can't be tired. You only work for four days. I've worked very hard. <laughs> We've been pitching internationally this week, lad. We have. We have been pitching internationally all, all across the globe as well, I hear. Yeah. America is quite a difficult time to find a good time to pitch. Yeah. Do you p- prefer an early pitch or a late pitch? I think overall, definitely an early one, because if it was really late, I'd, I'd probably just be thinking about it for most of the day and yeah, be broadly unproductive for the rest. Yeah. But it's quite nice waking up and um, it was a really cool brand as well. So, um Yeah. But Excellent. It made for a for a tired Friday morning, let's say. Not because of booze, because we're being very healthy at the moment, aren't we? Mm. <laughs> have, you, have you fallen off the train? First of all, the sun's come out, which is very nice. Second of all, yeah, I um had a few beers and watched Dragon's Den last night. It was Did great. You? Yeah. I've been watching a lot of Dragon's Den recently. It's actually good, and I've actually decided my favourite dragons now. I've got it locked Who's down. It? Peter's my all time favourite. Yeah, same. Closely followed by Deborah. Because she's just cash. She's honestly, I was watching like clips with, back with my girlfriend. We were watching like old episodes. I think I, you know, that one I sent to you ages ago with the, the two ladies that came on and wanted to put females into working mm. environments, which like on building sites, which is amazing. They just had like the worst attitude ever. Great content. Great, great content. But, um, and then followed up by um, Sarah William. Oh, yeah. The blonde lady with the yeah, bob. Yeah, yeah. Because she's like from the north. She's so sweet and lovely, but she always invests in like, the brand that like not the 
they're kind of like not the shit ones, but like they're the very small family the unobvious. stuff. Un- yeah. Unobvious. And um, I think she's had quite a few successes. But I'm really not liking I, Tuka. He's really starting to piss me off. Oh, I think Tuka Sullivan's quite no, a joke as an individual. starting to piss me off. I think, do, you know, do you know why I think he'll piss you off? Is because every time Peter says something, he always automatically disagrees. But also Steve Bartlett and him, are, like they're trying to like... The broing. No, the, no. Oh, uh, the Tuka and Steve, they're trying to like play them off. So like... Mm. Every clip you see is like them going off at each other. Yeah, um, I, I think, think Steve's doing well. To be fair, but um, do you know something that's quite interesting for mm. the for the listeners and the I suppose the brand side of things? How both you and I consume TV content. I'm sure is probably similar to how a lot of people are age consumer. Yeah, but we don't really watch Dragons Den per se. We watch no. YouTube clips of Dragons Den. Yeah, yeah. All like compilations. Time. Yeah. Like that's all the content I'm here Most for. ridiculous valuations of all time. In the, the best den. is Duncan Mallentime's best bits. <laughs> yeah. Premium content. You it's got nothing. Good. Yeah. Oh, it's just so good. Yeah, he's good. Um so yeah, I had a few I heard a few beers last night. You've uh, you've you've purchased a Peloton. I have purchased a Peloton, which, as much as that company's in big trouble, is an incredible item. Like insane. I very much, obviously, for those that don't know, me and Jamie are weirdly into bikes and dressing in very tight clothing and cycling around parks <laughs> and cycling. Um, but yeah, the, I, 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 it's not the cheapest item in the world. I enjoy finance and it's on 0% for sure. Yeah. It's 40 quid a month. I think that's okay. It's the same as a gym membership. I know a lot of people will use that excuse. gym membership, isn't it? For a lot of classes, is like, the subscription is like 12 quid or something. I'm not really sure. But I get the whole suite. Yeah. Um. I get yoga. Won't be doing that. But like, you can do audio runs, strength glass, um, all that kind of stuff. But I really liked it. I've been kind of, I've been trying to nail my mornings a lot. I've got quite a long commute into the office, um, which is filled with like mums taking their kids to school and people that can't drive cars. Mm. So like, I come to work. Sometimes. How dare they take their kids to school? Honestly, by the way. how dare they? Um. Do you know what really freaked me out about mums taking their kids to school? Is the ones that put them in like the baskets at the front and the bike. That is, that is safe, not all right. And they don't have helmets on as well. And they're just barreling around the place. We're diverting. But yeah, I, I've had a bit of a like long commute recently, especially with like everyone back from COVID and all that kind of stuff. So pellets on the morning, drive in, feel a bit fresher, feeling good. But yeah, I've been spending my week doing that and, and still hiring. We mentioned it last week, but we are still hiring actively mm-hmm. for many roles, if not more than we were last week, possibly. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for a position in a digital agency that, works with a lot of amazing DTC brands, do head over to 303.london. Head to the careers page and most of them are listed there. But if anything is listed there, isn't listed there, sorry, and you might be interested and want to just see if there's a position open, please do drop jobs at 303.london and email. Um, I mean, I've had, I think I've done about 20 interviews over the last two weeks. It's a lot. I think a lot of them discovery calls, a few more intense, but there is some like, Epic talent, for sure. Um, unfortunately, we all can't always take all of it, but um, there is still lots of roles we are actively hiring for and will continue to hire for. So, um, yeah, do stay in touch. Anyway, let's get into the uh, the main topic. The Topics. Bulk, the bulk of the basket. No, you're skipping ahead, lad. Oh, you're, you've skipped ahead and you shouldn't have done. <laughs> it's what's hot first, oh, okay? Okay. Um, for those that don't know, because we're only on episode three, we will continue to reiterate that... Um, on this podcast, we talk about the newsletter that we've sent out um, today. It's going out in a couple of hours, um, and the content in that we break into a little bit more. We discuss it further. Um, I'm currently writing dissertations within my newsletter because I'm trying to get good at writing. Um, but yeah, if you want to subscribe to the newsletter, again, head over to 303.london. A pop-up will appear. Get in my basket is there. Sign up to it. There's some juicy content. Actually, we've had some nice responses to the, to the newsletter. It's been some nice feedback. 
Good. Which is good. But yeah, this week, What's Hot, the area of the podcast where we talk about brands we love. This is a brand we've actually, we've never spoken or worked with, but we have made something for them. Mm. Now you found these guys. And yeah. for those who don't know, we're talking about Floyd, um, the suitcase brand based in Germany. Los Angeles, I think they came from. They've got that, I think that they're German, from there. but around there. They're Californian sure. inspired. But Lovely. Yes. Um, well, well where did you find them? I came across them from someone on Instagram, posted it, and yeah, I just saw, I think it was just like a, an influencer I followed had a bag, mm. and um, he was traveling and just said like, anyone looking for a carry-on suitcase, this is the best one. Yeah. Um, and he was specifically moaning about how wheelie bags over time always have really crap wheels by the end, and they so never- always like shopping basket wheels. Yeah, and they're always super loud if you go over a stup- uh, you know loud surface or whatever, and blah, 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 and he was like, check this brand out because they've got they basically have like ge- like quite soft gel skateboard wheels for yeah. wheels um so yeah i came across them there <laughs> and uh flagged them to everyone and said this is a cool brand well we actually made an uh, creative for them because we loved it so much we made a little bit of a fan-made video um the guys pulled something together which is a nice little piece called the courier which is available on linkedin and I believe YouTube, but head over to 303 London on and Instagram now. And Instagram. Head over to our Instagram page and you can watch it. Um, it's very cool. Ben and Dan um, cracked on with it. We made this little creative. We thought it'd be a good, slightly British representation of um, of what they're up to. But I personally love the brand because I think there's a few things they're doing very nicely. Mm. The first thing is the product is just so good. Like they've nailed it with colors, like the color of the cases. We've actually got a green one with red wheels um, with like an amazing orange interior. But the colour just always gets attention. Not here, is it? It's not here, sadly. We should no. have actually thought ahead. But um, I think the colours and the product is great. The wheels is their like USP, I think is solid. Like I've actually used that case since we bought one to shoot with. Um, and there's like, I mean, I've literally had it over concrete, over cobbles, yeah. um, down the road over tarmac, even in grass. Like it's, it's survived very well. Um, but the smoothness of the four wheels is very nice. It's good. It's a very well-made product. It's not cheap. Like, let's be honest, it's a premium product, but you very much, I can see it lasting a very long time. A good suitcase also, it's not re- It's not often you're buying a suitcase, is it? No. It's like, it's my first what thing is I've it? Ever bought. A once in 10, 15 year yeah. exercise. So cost per use is low. Well, I think males, yes. Females, maybe not, but males, yeah. Well, probably. for a like, wheelie bag, you basically just, oh, well, I use mine until it dies. Mm. But really nice product from a, you know, quality, colours, Purpose, the inside's incredible. It's really well thought out. The size is very good as well. It's the right size for carry-on. The small one, which we got, they have got bigger sizes as well. But what I think they're doing really nicely is especially with their organic assets, they've obviously got this sort of like 70s, 80s retro vibe that they're trying to pull into 21 and incorporate yeah. luggage with from everything from the cars they use, the clothing they use. I think brand identity, they have just nailed. Mm. And I think it's not to the point where like, People are going. Oh, I, I'm. I, you know, I was a kid back then, so I'm going to buy that suitcase. It's more about trying to bring it into a bit more of a more modern, slightly younger audience, and go actually like, you know, slightly relive what your parents were doing. Yeah, or, you it's know, a bit of a like shop retro vibe, isn't it? Exactly. But um, they're doing some really cool stuff, and there's some. They've made some really great little films. Um, all that have great narratives in them. So go and check them out. Floyd One is their name on Instagram. I think Floyd One. Um, but we love them and we thought we'd give them a shout out. We've done a bit more analysis in the newsletter this week. So do have a look. Very good. Very good. Should we move on to the the part you mentioned now? What's it called? The bulk of the basket. Yes. What are we talking about this week? We are talking about 
whitelisting. God, that, that I was worried about that. Um, so why don't you kick us off as as one of the main uh, paid media enthusiasts? <laughs> Jesus, um, if that's if that's what. By I mean. the way, do you know what we haven't done yet? Just before you interrupt, is that is for those watching, we have like this desk in front of us, which is controls. It all has the, many colours, and I want to push all the buttons, but, but Sam these, will get angry. But these buttons do things. What do they do? I'm not that sure what noises will come out, but let's just press this one. I think that's a round of applause. Yeah. I think so. I'm going to pretend that's a round of applause. And every time you see something good, I'll give you one of those. I think it's a bit self-congratulatory to be applauding ourselves. I think we probably need... Well, if you say something good, or at the end, I'll, I'll see us out with the live studio audience. <laughs> right. I don't know how to change these. Back to wireless. Sorry, they are there. <laughs> Continue. It's basically Ollie saying, look at this shiny, colourful <laughs> thing that I've purchased. Look at it all. It's great. Anyway, carry, carry on. Cost carry per on. use on this thing is high. So far, yeah. <laughs> We'll uh, we'll endeavour to drive that down. Um, so whitelisting is is as Ollie said a paid media um, kind of strategy or a thing that you can do with paid social specifically. So Facebook, Instagram advertising, and it is basically the process of running adverts and putting your media spend through someone else's account. Mm. So let's just use really sort of like top level example. If I'm Adidas and I've got a million pounds to spend this month, traditionally you'd spend a million pounds on advertising. The the top left would say at Adidas or whatever. Mm-hmm. But n- now and for a little while in fairness, what you could, could have done is say, I'm going to spend half a million quid on the Adidas handle. And then I'm going to give 250,000 of the media spend to both Jessica Ennis and Anthony Joshua. And the ads would get run through their accounts. So you you would be served what you would feel like is a, a piece of Anthony Joshua content. Yeah. But actually it would be being sort of um, promoted to you by Adidas Media Spend and an Adidas approved creative just simply through Anthony Joshua's handle. Um, so what so does that mean in terms of, before, I think that's pretty clear. And again, it is quite hard to explain if you're not, Necessarily, you well, know, I think about most, it, most most people, people will have seen them. Yeah, most people have, would have been served one. Yeah, and it's probably like how you'll know because it's not necessarily explicit. Mm. But if you swipe up from the link, it would like so it would be an Anthony Joshua promoted post, like at Anthony yep. Joshua promoted, and then or sponsored whatever. And then if you click learn more or shop now or whatever, you'd be linked to the Adidas website, not to anthonyjoshua.com or whatever he has so yeah i see i see so what does that mean in terms of performance and this is probably a, the main you know conversation here is let's slightly go back to 2021 and performance generally within meta so facebook and instagram what was performance like in 2021 it was weird basically um it just changed a lot and i think we've spoken about it a fair amount now but broadly what happened was Traffic at times got more expensive than it had done before. Yep. And Facebook and Instagram used to be thought of as like quite a cost-effective traffic and awareness driving channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of secondly, and more more um, problematically for a lot of our clients, especially because they were sort of in a premium and luxury set, sector or setting, mm-hmm. um, is that it just basically became harder to track the amount of return on ad spend that you would record um, and that was basically due to this whole iOS, um, so Apple's privacy battles against Meta. Yeah. And they base it was almost like putting a sanction in place to 
as we've hypothesized before, basically try and drive advertisers spend towards Apple owned channels as opposed to mm-hmm. meta owned channels. So essentially what happened from 2020 to 20, 2021, if you spent 10 grand a month on ads, what might well have happened for, you know, a, de- a decent performing ad account in 2020 is that you would record 30 or 40 grand yeah, of return on ad spend off your 10 grand of ad spend. And in 2021, what might have actually happened is that it would have recorded 10 grand of ad spend and 14 grand of return on ad spend. That number is 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 factual because it's being published by the platform. But the reality is that in all likelihood, it's driven a lot more return than that. It's just not been tracked. So this, and like whitelisting isn't a brand new thing, but what, all of that stuff has get basically given rise to is other avenues that are more effective and more trackable um, mm-hmm. conversion driving ads than just a brand publishing. Because I guess there's the attribution and the tracking, but there's also we're at a point now when we speak about this in the newsletter that, excuse me, that um, ads have been around for a substantial amount of time now. And users are becoming very savvy to know them. Yep. So looking at the psychology of it, a lot of people are going, I know that's an ad. You know, I'm less likely to engage with it because I've been served. You know, I think every time you go on a platform, you're served at least two or three ads. So yeah, I think on every- average it is twice per visit. Exactly. Yeah. So what effect does that have on performance? Well, people don't know when they're being served an ad. Totally. They, they see the brand page. They see that it's got a certain format. Now that works when the strategy is right when you're using that in the right way and you're targeting either retargeting or high interest, whatever it might be. But I guess what whitelisting is offering using users' platforms is serving ads that don't necessarily look and feel like an ad that someone isn't used to, right? Correct. Good. So, Go yeah, I guess that's that's the actual thing. So what I was just basically explaining is that the tracking has given rise to people basically diversifying their thinking. Mm. An advert from an influencer whitelisting ad is no more trackable yep. than a brand ad but exactly as you say it is less obviously an advert yeah so again using an adidas scenario if it was a picture of an adidas shoe that said run faster run further yeah with a price at the bottom of it everyone knows that that's an advert mm. if it's a high-paced video of anthony joshua doing a load of pad work and and then like punching the camera at the end of it mm a lot of people will be none the wiser that that is an advert. Yeah. But if there is a call to action of learn more or shop now, or whatever it might be, people are still going to click that. Mm. Um, and actually from what we're now starting to see is that people are clicking that more regularly. So I think it exactly as you say, the placement is kind of a little bit more incognito, if you like. Yeah. It's less blatantly come and spend money with us. Yeah. And people are, are becoming super savvy It's to a that. soft sell. Uh, I think that's what a we're talking about in the news. Sure. It's a much like, softer sell. That's a good way of basically describing it. Um, and I think the other thing as well is it's like, it is all, I think social advertising has become pretty mm. lazy and in quite a big regard. And like we've definitely, we definitely sort of checked ourselves on that at a point last year and started making much more like engaging high paced video that mm. just people would want to watch and it happened to be an ad as opposed to like this thing's gonna just you yeah. know, convert customers at a great rate um so it's also a bit more of an authentic like engaging content piece as well mm. um but yeah generally the the results seem to be really really strong with it interesting so what what do you think the opportunities are for a, a dc brand using whitelisting 
So I think it basically it needs to become part of your like paid media marketing mix, if you like. So again, if you if you're using that million pound a month number, you've got to spend on advertising. Mm. I think you'd be remiss to not apportion some of that to whitelisting now. Yeah, um, especially if you've got some form of influencer um, resource. I guess if you've got relationships with ambassadors, if you've got. And you know, um, an affiliate network. If you've got an agency that manages influencer gifting and stuff for you, if you can develop great relationships with some of those influencers, they just basically give you access to the back end of their creator studio, and you can plug in your page to that. Yeah, you can run the ads. So touching on that setup, I guess, because it's probably you know a good thing just to be really clear on where we can be for anyone listening that wants to sort of explore this as a method and, and find out what might be possible for their brand or whatever they're yeah. doing, how easy is this to plug in? Easy. Good. If you've got, well, I mean, most, I guess most of the, the partners that we work with and I'd imagine people that listen to this have some level of um, agency or internal resource for paid media. Mm. Um, so anyone that knows the back end of Facebook well will will understand this. I think the bigger challenge is nurturing the the influencer relationships sufficiently so that they're going to be happy to be that, you know, that level of associated with the brand. Mm. It's not just a case of, um, you know, posting a, a story or a, or a grid post or whatever yeah. and saying like, hashtag ad, I've been loving these new Adidas mm. runners, whatever. It's very much like Adidas the biggest, controlling it. Yeah, because I think the biggest thing we were speaking about in the newsletter is like, the you know the initial if you haven't done this before the first thing is that relationship with the influencer because it could be a page it could be a person whatever it is that you're kind of running it through if you don't have that relationship off platform kind of solid it's very you know it's very easy for them to disconnect it in some regards it's very easy for you to put a lot of money through that if you deem it working um but if you don't have that relationship and that close connection it is quite risky let's like paint the scenario and this is not to put anyone off it. You work with an influencer as a brand, they shoot the content, they then launch it as an ad. It's running through the platform. Performance is good. All the metrics you're looking for are there. They then do something on their organic platform that isn't aligned with the brand. Let's say work with another brand or, you know, release their own thing, whatever it might be, something that doesn't work with you. Mm. If you don't have that relationship, you don't have the inside scoop before that goes live. Sorry, I'm blinding myself. Something in my eye. Um, if you don't have that relationship in place, you're running an ad through an influencer platform that then doesn't work with your brand. No. And putting that ad spend back, yes, you would just say just turn off the ad, but how long for you to notice if you're running multiple campaigns yeah. with multiple influencers? So well, I suppose, yeah, like in in the best case, whitelisting is a really effective, like it's a really effective um, piece of the marketing mix for paid media, especially mm. paid social. Um, at its worst, you do have like exposure to reputational damage. Yeah. Like you need to know this person well. Yeah. Um, and you need to be able to trust that like, and it, you know, often it will be a case of contracting properly and saying there's non-competes, there's like this you can do, this you can't, etc. And mm. you can clause it properly legally. But obviously that's when you need some level of resource to do your influencer management i guess yeah and how how in your mind how do you find the right influencer to work with for whitelisting i think to be honest it's pretty similar to how most good influencer marketing things work i think you've got to have really really solid understanding of the sphere of influence that the that the influencer is in so mm. if it's adidas like yeah okay it could be anthony joshua but it also could be 
you know, an upcoming junior Olympian who's Adidas have picked up. Yeah. And it's going to, again, back to the point around authenticity and like the softer sell. Mm. It, you know, you're going to have to be a pretty cynical person to go like uh, another Adidas ad to mm. someone who's got like 7,000 followers or whatever. Mm. So I think there's quite a lot of strength with whitelisting and going going small and carefully sourced. Because mm-hmm. if that junior Olympian is just followed by other avid junior Olympians that want to you yeah. know, really associate themselves with the brand that they associate themselves with, etc. Um, I think that's really important. Um, I think, again, to the point of reputational damage, I think it's worth doing a lot of due diligence, which I know um, the guys that do all of our influencer stuff have to do loads of, which is like, okay, Adidas want to work with us. Let's check that they're not got Nike bubbling along in yeah, the background yeah. and whatever. You need to actually go in. And obviously Adidas and Nike is a crap example there because that would be pretty blatant. But, you know, if you're a much smaller brand let's say your Simba mattresses and you wanted to partner with some home and lifestyle influencer, Mm. I think you'd be remiss to not do some really aggressive deep diving on their grid, on their feed, wherever it might be in their highlights to make sure that they don't have past affiliate codes with Eve Sleep or even like, I don't know, if you wanted to go into sofas and all that sort of stuff, like you wanted to make sure that there's some level of exclusivity because I guess where whitelisting falls down isn't kind of the same way that it comes up. Mm. Like if it, if you're using it to be this kind of like authentic ambassador type, like it's kind of like me telling you, it's almost like a word of mouth thing. Yeah. So if it's like me going, Hey Ollie, I just bought this mattress. It's so much better than any other mattress and it's pretty cheap. I've got a 10% off code if you want it. Like you'd probably be like, okay, cool. And it is that soft sell, right? Is that just so, so much more, I think organic and, you know, influencer marketing, let's move away from whitelisting for a second, does work very well. Mm. But if you can align two audiences and turbocharge that with ad spend, that's where I think there is huge opportunity to yeah. really scale what has already been done. For sure, yeah. And I think that's that's exactly it. That soft sell, like mate to a mate type vibe that influence marketing like claims to have. Sometimes it does, sometimes it obviously mm. falls down. I think you've just got to be really careful that you don't have like your supposed mate who's representing your brand isn't also representing yeah. every other Tom, Dick and Harry type thing. No, for sure. Um, so, yeah. I guess my, my final question for you is really about um, aligning it with a wider strategy within paid. So, you know, as you were saying before, you have a budget, you're not going to spend all of it on whitelisting, or are you? God, the wind just really picked Jesus up then. Christ. Um, yeah, or yeah. are you? You know, is there is there a way of incorporating it into an already existing strategy if you're running, you know, great brand awareness videos or you're focused on conversion ads, whatever it might be, yeah, yeah. and tying it in? Or would you say go fully into whitelisting? Well, I think I think there's quite, like, a lot of different people would answer that question really differently. I think we, to a, to a big extent, have flattened the funnel somewhat mm. in the sense that doing awareness traffic, add to cart, initiate checkout purchase, like, as was that doesn't work anywhere near the same that it did Mm. like facebook and instagram obviously are so much more up for automation and all of that stuff so like the flattening of the funnel is definitely important to like include but i guess where we've seen good um good use cases of it uh, uh kind of if you imagine awareness and traffic as a campaign prospecting as one and remarketing as one mm. prospecting is a really nice place to do it so you're doing cold conversions anyway yeah and you're either going to inform that based on data that you have as a brand or on facebook um available data like whatever interests and demographics or whatever yeah that's a really nice opportunity to say 
we're Simba, we know that, you know, 25 to 40 year old um, first time homeowners often buy our mattresses. Mm -hmm. Let's go and find a, a, an influencer who's just bought their first house, who is doing it up or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, it's just a third avenue essentially from, so going through them, Facebook's own stuff your own stuff and then starting to use other people's it's like a gdpr compliant way of yeah. targeting people based on stuff that's pretty well informed because like obviously with an influencer you're always going to be able to ask them for their stats you can work out their engagement rate you can see where the people so like again for a few of our clients at the minute um that are expanding rapidly into the u.s really nice way to say so got a good uk business we know what all of that looks like so we've got lookalikes yeah. for the u.s firing we've got some you know the u.s is pretty obvious in terms of wealth pockets like for instance austin's just a city that's going crazy at the minute so we yeah. know that austin's working well for a lot of brands at the minute as a as a geographic targeting thing but simba again we want to go and target you know these sorts of like first-time home buyers yeah so you can go and just find those influences so it's it's almost like a pre-qualification thing um it's like the way that we sometimes describe it is like, you know, the way that you describe Google search versus paid social, which mm-hmm. is like Google search is someone actively searching for something yeah. versus us passively targeting them going like, you may happen to like this, like with influencer, you know that they are interested in that because they follow this account. Mm. Cause you don't like people are fairly well, we'll speak broadly, but I'm very selective yeah. with like, like I'll cut an account if I don't like their stuff repeatedly. Yeah. Um, but like that probably means that I'm also a high quality, high quality targetee because yeah. if I am following something and then I got whitelisted through it, it works really well. Indeed. So what's your, I mean, there's a, there's a lot there to kind of work with, I guess. Um, it's like, I guess what we're saying is that it is very easy to, that wind is getting mad. Um, it is an easy thing to set up. There are precautions to take as yeah. always. And, and I think I'd start slow. So in answer yeah. to your previous question, I suppose, because I've gone round a boot, um, I think start small. So if you've got, well, let's speak in, in more normal terms for a lot of brands, if you've got 10 grand to spend on media, on ads per month, it might be a case of saying in a month where it's not completely pivotal to business success, mm. like we are going to experiment 2K of our prospecting spend is going to go on these two ambassadors that we've got great relationships with, we'll give them a grand each over a two week period, do an AB test between the two of them, see what the results are. And we'll be running our other prospecting as well. So you've got basically like a three way split test and you can see the results for yourselves. Um, And that's probably the way that I'd approach it. I don't think it's a case because there are, I think there are definitely some brands in the States that seem to spend almost all their money through whitelisting. Yeah. Well, there's there's agencies that, in the UK that do a lot of it and it, it yeah. works really well. It's not really our approach and we try something different. Um, we include it within strategies and we like, we're doing a whole podcast on it. So we clearly think it's important, but we've always, um, as always with all these podcasts and the, the main bulk of the basket, we've gone into quite a lot of detail within the newsletter. That newsletter, if it's not already in your inbox, cause you haven't signed up, will be available on our website. So you can go in have a look. And if you do have questions, do reach out because it is a little bit of a, not complicated, but it's good to understand what's possible. It was quite, and, it's quite know, an abstract concept, isn't it? For sure. There isn't, pre- there isn't really a very good example of it. I suppose that, like the, the way that you'd probably compare it is like O2 yeah. like, could run their own advert or they could put their brand on the England rugby shirt as it's, an example. It's kind <clears throat> exactly, of, that's yeah. kind of like the only old school advertising. But comparison. I think it's definitely evolving. And I do think 
in coming years, the form of whitelisting that we have now will evolve, and yeah. I think it'll be a big part of DC brands and their approach with paid. Um, but thanks very much for your inside knowledge and, and uh, information there. Very kind of you. Um, anything else to add before we wrap up the podcast for today? No, give it a go. I think it's interesting. It feels like if it's been around for ages, so I don't I don't want everyone to be. Yeah, we're not. We're not. Yeah, like, it's not a new announcement. Finally, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. finally realised that yeah, this exists. Yeah. It's been around for a while. We've used yeah. it on and off. We used it actually beginning of COVID quite a bit as well. It was quite effective there. Um, but yeah, have a go. As like I said, reach out if you are not sure. Feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn and have the conversation there. I'm sure we'll help or we'll point you in the right direction to get some help. Jamie, as always, thank you very much for joining me on this Friday morning. Hope you don't blow away. Hope you have a lovely weekend. And um, yeah, please do do not forget to subscribe if you watch on YouTube, subscribe if you're listening on an audio platform, and also head over to 303.london to sign up for Get In My Basket, and we will see you next week. Ciao. See you soon.